I am 100% behind Q. He's working for the president, he's working for our country. Alien life, uh, like pedophiles, uh, you know, and it just seeks to tie all of that together. Welcome, listeners, to the 20th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, The Rothschilds Episode. We are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Travis View, Tuts, and Julian Field. This week, we will be tackling the most notorious family name in the history of time. Yes, even more evil, corrupt, and world-destroying than the Clintons, the Bushes, the Kennedys, no. and the Kellogg cereals. <laughs> the Rothschilds have a special place in the QAnon universe, and we'll be unpacking some of that. Uh, but we'll also attempt to give some sort of balanced view of the family and just how much power they have over the average scrub like Jake and Jake. Finally, we'll be joined by Talia Levin, writer, researcher, and self-professed Jewish person who knows a lot about anti-Semitism. She will help us get to the bottom of the QAnon obsession with, triple parentheses, Jewish people. But before that, some updates. I am sick this week, and that is why my voice sounds like this. Uh, and why the, these boys are going to have a bad week ahead. Yeah, I'm really I, not looking forward to that. I'm really hoping that this pop filter filters out illness as well, yeah. for your sake. Yes. I got my flu shot. I'm not scared. Bring it on. That's true. You're a family man. You do stuff like getting cue shots. I can't afford health care. I'm so sick and my brain is so feverish that I just called it a cue shot. <laughs> <laughs> In community news, our QBot, a wonderful little thing built for us by listener Repton, continues to tear it up with the community. Folks, everybody loves those drops, and some of us even love them enough to feed them back out into the QAnon community. That's right. If you have burner accounts or whatever, please do send as many of those drops out there. Um, the drops, if you don't know, are basically uh, pieced together from old drops that the uh, bot has studied, and it's uncanny. And then once in a while, if you're lucky, you'll get the, the name Julian, Travis, or Jake spat out, which happened uh, after like a hundred drops i finally got my name to be dropped and it was just asking questions about me and you know yeah it's so amazing how authentic it feels uh, yep. that it makes me wonder if like the real QAnon is just like some programmed bot yeah it's gotta be yeah i i, I one of the uh, fake drops i sort of released on twitter had the phrase spray taint and so <laughs> i was curious and, and and they actually decoded it they actually they tied yeah. it to podesta they baked it. it yeah oh that's so good <laughs> yeah. uh, clearly podesta sprays his taint right. uh with <laughs> cooking oil before every child molestation <laughs> Uh, first up, uh, Q shocks the QAnon community by denying that JFK Jr. is alive. So uh, in a Q&A session on December 12th, Q spent some time on 8chan trying to shut down the crazier theories in the QAnon community. In it, Q confirmed that the world is not flat, Seth Rich is dead, Julian Assange is not in the U.S., and most shockingly, JFK Jr. is not, in fact, alive. However, despite the fact that Q was explicitly asked, is JFK Jr. alive, and Q said no, that's N-O, <laughs> period. No ambiguity, no cryptic message, it was very, very simple. Yeah. Some people in the community continue to believe that JFK is alive anyway. <laughs> So it's 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 really really nuts. They don't they don't care anymore. He, Q was losing control, dude. This is a Frankenstein situation. Yeah. yeah. So um, in related news, uh, an independent researcher uncovered the the real person behind the account 
uh, the Twitter account, Real the Real R Anon. Uh, listeners of our last episode may remember that uh, this was an account that fraudulently pretends to be Vincent Fusca, who many Q followers absurdly believe is the living JFK Jr. Uh, this research uh, discovered that the person behind the real r is one Ray Parrish, a former Green Party congressional candidate. Shortly after the uh, research was published, the real r account was deleted, but it looks like it's since been restored and continues to basically commit identity theft against Vincent Fusca. <laughs> and uh, I-, I tweeted about this development, and the real r has since blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he just maybe realized, like, there are no consequences. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. just for anything anymore. So it doesn't matter. It feels like feels like he was like talked back into it. He was like, yeah. oh, I've been caught. And like, like his oh, other grifter wait buddies. Wait a second. You folded because of these cucks? Yeah, right. But like, oh, no, no, they, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just keep going. And then they, they, he keeps going. And yeah, people people keep believing that he's Vincent Fusca slash JFK Jr. Uh, disclaimer, Jake may or may not have contacted that account to make sure it got back online out of desperation. Um, he needs this to be true. Well, Jake is in a bathtub with a razor. Yes. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Second up, uh, the an outgoing city council member reads a cue drop from the city council floor. God I can't damn believe it. I, this story. We're not going to be able to keep this as a me. comedy podcast for very this long. Is, this is getting really disturbing. So uh, during a farewell speech on December the 10th, San Juan Capistrano, California, city council member Pam Patterson, which made sounds like name, a fucking fake made up name. name. No. <laughs> That's the name that you give like your buxom spy character <laughs> if you're a right wing <laughs> yeah. douchebag. Pam Patterson, she basically read a cue drop like it's scripture and then said, where we go one, we go all. And also, God bless Q. And so this is the very first known instance of an elected official uh, explicitly endorsing Q like while in office, and uh, there's a video of the incident that I would like to share. Oh but yes, honestly, please. honestly, if God was asleep uh, and and had abandoned humanity, he just woke up with his eyes in a startle and went, "Wait, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> they just thanked me for what?" <laughs> and that, and he he stayed asleep through the Iraq War. He stayed asleep through the, the Crusades, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, now he's he's he stumbled out of bed with a, a large uh, erect penis, and he just went, "Who the fuck is Vincent Fusco?" And now to quote Q, for far too long we have been silent and allowed our bands of strength that we once formed to defend freedom and liberty to deteriorate. We became divided. We became weak. We elected traitors to govern us. We allowed evil to prey on us. Those who claimed to represent us gave us false hope, made false promises. The evil and corruption only grew. We must rise again. We must unite again. We must fight again for God and country. God bless America. Where we go one, we go all. Hugh. Her preservation. Oh, it was an my honor God. to serve you. God bless America. God bless Q. And God bless San Juan Capistrano. Thank you. Damn, Capist- San Juan Capistrano was right. fucking blessed. Yeah. Hold on, Pat. Wait, you're not wh- done yet. Yeah, uh, why, why are people n- allowing her to continue? I looked at the other people in the room. There's a guy like shuffling his papers. Yeah. Have you never another- been to a council meeting? I, I mean, mean, they literally don't, they don't care. care. No one cares anymore. It's yeah. just like. Yeah, but- I just, I just want to emphasize that this really is a new level of horror. Now, fortunately, this was someone who was outgoing, right? <laughs> right. The, but still, this is someone, an elected official in, in a uh, city council chamber. It's just in a, in a building that's meant for government business 
quoting Q like scripture. Dude, it's insanity. She's just she's just like letting her freak flag fly, you know? She's kind of like, right. hey, this is me. You know, it's right. like when the graduating senior class, you know, like moon, you know, moons everybody at their oh, graduation okay. ceremony or whatever. I think she's just doing the same. I think she's probably been cued. And, um, <laughs> you know, she saw this as an opportunity. The funny thing is, is people clap afterwards. There's like kind of a smattering of light applause. That's because they've listened to about four words. They're yeah. like, God bless America. Awesome. Yes. Clap. Yeah. It's over. Okay. Next. They don't care. I mean, no, they're just at a ceremony and they clap when the fucking clap sign goes on. But what, what blows my mind is that she has the exact same voice that you read the shopping network stuff with. Yeah, I know. This kind of bizarre, like. I'm, I'm strangely tapped into this community somehow. Yeah, it's almost like you're one of them. Yeah, weird. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, oh, another Q and on news, but D thirteen, you know, it's like yeah, D thirteen came and went, came yeah, and went. Yeah, All it was went. was my fucking birthday, bitch. Yeah. And I, what happened? Nothing. Nothing. And uh, yeah, and Huber was supposed to testify <laughs> at this uh, at this hearing, and he was a no show. No yeah, show. He literally didn't show up. Joe M had to Photoshop Pepe in his seat. And then his next post was like trying to cope, you know, just being like, it makes sense that he's not there, okay? Motherfuckers, it's tactical. Yeah. Also, there was like, what, however many hours about like the Clinton Foundation and there's literally nothing newsworthy about it. It just kind of came and went and weird. Weird. None of us could have predicted that except me and Travis. I mean, the only thing that happened is that there was a couple of what they like what they called forensic accountants. These weren't whistleblowers. Uh, these were these were outside people, and they claimed that uh, they knew that the the Clinton Foundation was uh, evading taxes and it should have registered as a foreign uh, agent. Of course, uh, but but, the, but they but they didn't. And then Mark Meadows, if you watch the hearing, yelled at these guys because they wouldn't uh, give up their documents. It was like, well, can we see the documents that prove this? Oh, we we can't do that because like apparently. They they had provided it to the FBI. The Imagine if Hillary Clinton had fucked a male gigolo who basically was acting as a prostitute and then tried to pay him hush money before the election. I mean... You would never find out about it. Okay. <laughs> but wouldn't they try to hang her for it or whatever? They've been scrounging <laughs> for something way less damning. They would. I. I. I actually didn't. I. I listened to a couple. Uh, a couple of the highlights from the thing, and it just looked like bureaucratic, like bullshit. It, it was. was just like it's disappointing know. to all involved. And so yeah. So the the new date, of course, they're waiting for January first. Right. So, so this is when uh, new rules about military tribunals are supposed to go into effect. Of course, yes. Right. So this, everyone knows that. This, so that. this is when Matt Chrisman will be forced to delete his account. Yes. This yes. Is, <laughs> all right. So yeah, D13 is gone. J1. This is the new day. J1. Uh, Matt Chrisman, by the way, you can just give me your account. It has about 80K. I'm, that's decent. That's okay. I'll take it. And uh, I'll switch the name to uh, the real Ethanon. And it's it's the grift has begun, baby. Yeah. So that's an open an open invitation, Matt. Next up, we'll be moving on to the overview of the QAnon Rothschilds theory. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's that's cute. So, Q's with us. Yeah, hell yeah. I want to hear about these Rothschilds. Well, the real life Rothschild family is a banking dynasty. Why I uh, knew it. <laughs> <laughs> That began the conspiracy with, was right. <laughs> began with the German Jewish banker Mayor Amschel Rothschild in the late 18th century, and uh, he became a successful banker in part through offering banking services to the German Crown Prince Wilhelm of Hesse. 
uh, in the 18th and 19th century, Mayor Rothschild's descendants expanded upon the dynasty uh, and the family wealth by offering banking services in Vienna, London, Naples, and Paris. And in the 19th century, they are by far the wealthiest family in the world. Yes. So, uh, so just a review. So this is families are very wealthy, and they do business in multiple countries, and they have close relationships with royalty and other powerful people, and they're very secretive and insular, and uh, to, to put the cherry on top of all of it, they are Jewish. My God. It's a perfect storm. Yes. Yeah, how are they allowed to exist? <laughs> so this is... <laughs> <laughs> and they walk the earth unarmed? <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> Unbelievable. So just a perfect recipe for conspiracy theories. And they were there were a lot of them for, for two centuries, basically. Yeah. And so um and so uh, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about the Rothschilds uh, were you know popular among so lots of circles, but they really brought to wider circulation in 1846. And uh, that year, an anonymous pamphlet printed in Paris, which was signed by Satan, <laughs> claimed that checks out. Yeah, right. Claimed that Nathan Rothschild, who uh, founded the London branch, profited from the Battle of Waterloo in 1815. It claimed falsely that Nathan Rothschild um, was a spectator on the Waterloo batter, battlefield and observed the total defeat of the French army. He then allegedly rushed to London a day before the news became known in England and exploited his advanced knowledge to make a killing on the stock exchange. Oh, my God, you guys, he's Biff from Back to the Future. Oh, whoa. Crazy. Oh, fuck you, Marty. <laughs> yeah. Take this take this Waterloo money. <laughs> he's like, oh, I've been banging your mother for 40 years, Marty. Horse-drawn carriage <laughs> enters into contact with like a, a, another carriage carrying horse shit. <laughs> Get, gets dumped down onto the Rothschild. <laughs> I hate manure. <laughs> this pamphlet was actually written by the open anti-Semite Georges Danville. And almost nothing in the story is true. Nathan Rothschild <laughs> was not even at Waterloo or even in Belgium at the time of the battle. Damn, disappointing. <laughs> so uh, in referring also to... Also disappointing that it wasn't really written by Satan. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a really good That'd literary career. In uh, referring to the conspiracy about Nathan Rothschild, uh, political scientist Michael Barkun in his 2003 book, A Culture of Conspiracy, said, quote, Although this type of speculation was widespread throughout anti-Semitic circles in the late 19th and 20th century... Uh, it was notably strong in the United States, where radicals of every stripe seemed obsessed by financial conspiracies. So really, you know, uh, by continuing these uh, conspiracy theories about the Rothschilds, uh, the QAnon community is really advancing a great American tradition. It's, we've been doing it for, for hundreds of That's years. That's right. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Hamburgers and anti-Semitism. Yep. <laughs> Here's what QAnon people believe. The deep state is bad, but they aren't the puppet masters of the world. Uh, the people who really pull the strings are three entities, the Saudi royal family, the Rothschilds, and George Soros. So these are sometimes called the Triangle of Puppeteers. So uh, here's what uh, Q says in a November 11th, 2017 Q drop. Who are the puppet masters? House of Saud, 6 plus plus plus, minus 4 trillion plus, Rothschild, 6 plus plus, dash... Two trillion plus Soros six plus. What the fuck is this shit? What's with the pluses and the goddamn? I can't uh, even make out what my my boy's trying to tell me here. It's just just bad. It's just if you if the information is just false, you just add a plus. Six Soros six plus dash one trillion plus 
focus on above three. <laughs> As if you didn't know there were three people above. Focus on the Arabs and the Jews. Public wealth disclosures. False. So, uh, yeah, so these are the people in the QAnon universe who use their enormous uh, accumulated wealth to pull uh, the strings of politicians and elites all over the world. And guess what? We have nabbed famous, uh, obsessive Saudi Arabian uh, <laughs> nerd Felix Biederman, and hopefully he'll be on a, on a future episode uh, coming up soon where we will deal with the House of Saud. So uh, how exactly do the Rothschilds exert this influence? Well, uh, QAnon people believe that the Rothschild family has a controlling interest in a vast network of central and private banks all over the world. Uh, in a few November 11th, 2017 Q drops, Q lists like every single national bank in alphabetical order and then claims that the Rothschilds owns or controls all of them. And this is, I want to wow. be very clear, false. This is yeah, not true. No, the Rothschilds. We, yeah. we, will, we will talk. In I'm the, definitely not going to read this entire Q no, drop because do it. It, it is, so, my vocal cords will look like a, a, a two-week-old um, spaghetti squash okay, but if this I is, do this. This is literally the only reason everyone signed up for Patreon. Fuck, okay, here we go. <clears throat> Rothschilds owned and controlled banks. Afghanistan, Bank of Afghanistan, Albania, Bank of Albania. I'm seeing a pattern here. <laughs> Algeria, Bank of Algeria, Argentina, <laughs> Central Bank of Argentina. Yeah, wait, Armenia, Central Bank of Armenia. Wait, is this just the A, B's and C's this, in this post? This, yes, Aruba, this is just the A, B's and C's. Aruba, Central Bank of Aruba. Q does this for several Q drops. Just Australia. Every single bank in the world. This Reserve is, Bank of Australia. This is why the Q-Bot keeps spitting out bank names, just yes. randomly interspersed. That's but, right. What the fuck? I mean, why Why is he telling the country? I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. He just like, copy-pasted the, all the national banks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They the, own everything. This, yeah, this is literally a list that was like circulating around in like anti-Semitic circles, and he Q literally just copied and pasted. Uh, a little drops. copy pasta, yeah. as the as the kids yeah. say. Yeah. But uh, the influence of the Rothschilds is more than just financial. They uh, QAnon people believe that the Rothschilds are actually the head of a Satan worshiping cult. Yeah. So uh, this was illustrated in a uh, November twenty first, two thousand seventeen Q drop which featured a photo of Marie uh, Helene de Rothschild oh, hells yeah. and uh, Guy de Rothschild at a party they hosted in Paris in 1972. This is some Yellow King shit right here. In this yeah. photo, the hostess Baroness Rothschild is seen in a fur-trimmed white dress and a stag's head that appears to be crying diamond tears. So this is like so the stag's head like covers her entire head and the, like the horns of the stag it looks like to be decorated with like 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 gold or something. It, it just looks like an indie album cover. It yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, like, or like an indie horror movie or some shit like that. Yeah. I mean, this picture is kind of fucked up. I'm it not is, gonna lie, it's it it's weird. weird. What the yeah? So and the the photo file in this in this uh, the photo file in this Q drop is Rothschild symbolism jpeg, and oh. Uh, one thing I do kind of agree with, with the QAnon community is that rich people, they throw weird parties. They're they weird, fucking weird stuff. are yeah. so bored and they have no more connection with reality. Right. So yeah, eventually they wear, they make their wives wear stag heads to, yeah, to like, still get get it up. You know? like, Ellen, you take this head off the stag and you Ellen, put the diamonds on the face of Tonight him. I am hunting you. 
You are my crying stag. <laughs> I will drive a hot poker through your body and make love to you. <laughs> uh, but first, tell somebody we've run out of deviled eggs. <laughs> Get the help to bring another platter. You know, you know what this looks like? This just looks like a wealthier version of the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Rothschild sort of, I guess, storyline was like really more prominent early in the Q phenomenon. Uh, so, in fact, there were even a few Q drops like in December of 2017 that just said hashtag fly Roths fly hashtag. Yeah. And the implication or the what the announce took away from it is like, oh, the uh, the alliance, the, the white hats, they have the Rothschilds on the run in yeah. some unknown secret way give us a quick rundown for for a listener might have just jumped on about the white hats and the, and the black hats yes yeah, the yeah. so universe. it's like in the QAnon universe they imagine that there's a battle between like the white hats this is the the good people in government who are close to donald trump usually like work in military yeah who are doing battle with the black hats these are the bad people in government mm -hmm. and also the cabal which is a worldwide sort of cult of uh, people who really run the world cool. they imagine and so on February 5th, Q called attention to the sale of a Rothschild hunting lodge in Black Forest, Austria. So the implication of this drop is that because the Rothschilds are selling off their property, because they're losing wealth and power, and this is what this Q drop said. Damn, wait, this means Q scooped 1945. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Q writes, Black Forest, Austria, Rothschild. Fire sale days after post. What went on there? Dopey. <laughs> I'm not. That's real. That's real. One of the seven dwarves. Dopey. The you fuck? have more than you know. <laughs> Q. Man. So, so, yeah. So Black Forest refers to a 13,000 acre Austrian hunting estate, which uh, the Rothschild heirs sold uh, this year to the Austrian uh, Prinzhorn family. Let's 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 be clear. We all agree that there was human hunting yes. on that <laughs> property. No, we don't. We're not arguing that these rich people are good, That's or it. that this is any of this is fun. That was it's funny. That was the speculation that a lot of Q-Lot people were of going. Of course, like, what went on there? Got, there must be mm -hmm. hunting humans in yeah. Austria. Duh. That's yeah. what the. That's what um, Hard Target starring. Jean-Claude Van Damme. But everyone knows the reality is that they actually shred a fox every day by using about 18 hounds and a, and a bunch of blunderbusses or whatever they're <laughs> oh, yeah. shooting up For sure. There. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they're Before they're they go back up to their offices and, and fucking inject laudanum. Yeah, they have, yeah, they have like tiny little like wooden, um, like wooden tooths uh, that have a hollowed out cavern for uh, really good cocaine. Everybody enjoys a good fox hunt until the women get the vapors and we have to bring them back to the mansion. Yes, uh, now uh, if the gentlemen would join me in my lounge, uh, we will be smoking a child penis <laughs> and eating cheese. <laughs> As we all know, the shredded fox must now be eaten by the youngest of us. <laughs> yes, and we will use its claws to carve a uh, Star of David into your chest. <laughs> uh, what a party. The very last Q drop to mention the Rothschilds was on April 4th, uh, 2018. You know, which is really strange when you think about it because 
you know, Q sold these people as like the puppet masters. They own every world. single bank, and then yeah. he switched to Soros. And like, there was like, oh, eh, forget about them. Like, like he, he had them pegged as as twice as rich as Soros somehow, and then ditched the entire thing. Yeah, it's so like it wasn't selling. I, yeah, maybe no Q traction. read the room of like, ah, yeah. This audience doesn't like the Rothschild stuff. They like the Soros stuff a little more. Uh, it's better. Immediate. Yeah, yeah. So, everyone's like, wait, what? What's yeah, the Rothschild? Rothschild? Nobody had. There's yeah. no. There's no specific Rothschild that they can that whose face they can take and and turn into like a demon for memes and stuff. They're just like, they're just like wait, you want me to hate the Monopoly man? Yeah, Soros right. Soros just so happens to look like fucking an it aging right. uh, Emperor Palpatine you know, anyway. So, so he just makes for a fucking good villain. But you know who who uh, really does look like evil and sometimes is a villain in the Rothschild's world is Lord Jacob Rothschild. He's oh. I see him sometimes. I see sometimes see memes of him and they sometimes accuse him of having just an insane amount of wealth like five trillion dollars or something oh really and what does he look like does he look he, like he does kind look, of a little he's look pretty old, but he looks like sad old and decrepit oh. not like villainous like he, this guy's not a threat yeah, yeah i feel like some like of them some of them haven't figured out the uh tech vampire thing where oh, you, yes. you oh, get yeah. the teenage blood shot into you uh no. listen to our adrenochrome episode if you want to know about the real story about a tech entrepreneur who's put together a company that a lot of rich people use to shoot up Teenage blood. Yes, this is uh, so this they is can not a joke. Extend their lives. It's I wish I was horrifying. kidding. No, but this podcast has, has taken us to strange and scary places yep. uh, from which we wish we could, some of us wish we could return. Yeah, like friendship with Jake. So this was the very last Q drop about the Rothschilds on April 4th, 2018. List the estimated wealth of religious organizations billions. <laughs> Vatican Bank, 229 billion. Board of Superintendents, Supervisory Commission of Cardinals, Clown Connection, 1832 Rothschild Loan to the Holy See, Q. Does he always use the next to last line to say something weird? Like the last one was Dopey, this one was Clown Connection? Uh, That's CIA. Yes, Uh, clowns. Clowns uh, clowns in America Uh, is the acronym for CIA. That's right, yes. He says, yeah, he says clowns in America on mm-hmm. several Q drops. It, it mm-hmm. seems like he left himself a note to do something here. He's like, list the estimated wealth of religious organizations and then just never took his own note. <laughs> he yeah. just left it there. So uh, this Q drop, the last one, is re- about the Rothschilds, refers to a real 1832 loan negotiated by James Mayer de Rothschild to the Vatican Holy See. At the time, the Vatican doing business with the Rothschilds was controversial, because people thought that it put the Catholic Church under Jewish control. Can't have that. No, then, then I think that's the rule. You do business with a Jew once they own you for for life and yes. all your ancestors. That's how right? it works? Yes, so. exactly. Mm-hmm. The yeah. boy who the boy who lent me uh, a, a piece of Bazooka Joe chewing gum uh, <laughs> in the. 1950s. Late 80s, <laughs> in the late 80s, uh, I keep his soul next to my bed. Uh, I turn it around when I masturbate. Right. You yeah. heard it here first. Jake turns around this ghost to masturbate to its bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I meant, but fine. <laughs> so the, uh, the Rothschilds as puppet masters narrative is really important to the QAnon image of Donald Trump as independent from cabal influence. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, so here's a QAnon meme that basically accuses past presidents... Uh, pre- here's a QAnon meme that accuses past presidents of being Rothschild puppets, and uh, that kind of really illustrates that kind of thinking. 
All right, I'm going to read this. But guys, if it looks like I'm getting red pill, just fucking slap me across right, the yeah, face yeah, and pull okay. me back. Got, yeah, glass okay. of water right here. Mm-hmm. Who are the Rothschilds? Do some research. Expand your thinking. Bill Clinton, Rothschild puppet, helped Rothschild deep state puppet regime North Korea develop nuclear power program, sold them nuclear secrets. Um, Wait, North Korea is a... Didn't yeah, Bill what? Clinton... Yeah, isn't isn't that a kind of a thing, though, that Clinton actually did uh, st- do some sort of... Give um, North Korea some kind of nuclear advance? But, like, it was under something else. Like, obviously, it wasn't so that they would one day nuke us back, but... And it has nothing to do with the Rothschilds, which is what this entirely is about. Okay, I will stop that. <laughs> I will not... He almost got red-pilled on the first... The first president. The first president, Jake. You, can edit you almost that. got a red pill on the first president. Okay, the next one. George Bush, Rothschild puppet, helped Rothschild deep state by fabricating evidence to start Iraq war, enacting Patriot Act and restricting human rights in U.S. to help facilitate takeover of U.S. by Rothschild globalists slash U.N. Hmm. Um, but didn't George Bush... in? Deed lie us into the Iraq War and yep well, again and make the Patriot Act not so wrong but has nothing to do with the Rothschilds which is what this us. is about please don't do this yeah. to yourself Jake Fuck, you I'm can having do a it. real hard time <laughs> fucking thanks I needed that get it together <clears throat> Barack Hussein Obama Rothschild puppet promised to end the wars and close Gitmo instead helped Rothschild deep state to further Middle East wars almost achieving their takeover of Syria. Helped Rothschild controlled access of evil puppet states, Iran and North Korea, with huge cash, technology, and uranium one nuclear mats. Uh, mats is short for materials. I only know that because I play MMOs. Um, and then there's a picture of Donald Trump with his small thumb. I mean, it looks his hand looks so fucking small. It's it looks like yeah. it's photoshopped on with his like small bulbous thumb. Uh, thumbs upping me uh, while I sit, you know, while I sit here. I can't here believe and read we, this. we we have Jake oscillating between red pilled and wine mom lib. And uh, and then there's the on the picture there's the hashtag, uh, the Great Awakening hashtag QAnon hashtag MAGA. And then under the picture of Trump in big red letters it says not a Rothschild puppet. So I, it's like Rothschild puppet, Rothschild puppet, Rothschild puppet, not a Rothschild puppet. I, I just want to. I would love to have someone explain to me how the Rothschilds would profit from quote taking over Syria. Like how that is a mess. No uh, one wants to own that. Dude, don't you know it's the guy who runs Syria bombs it and right. and. Well, yeah, the, the 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 old canard is that the Rothschilds caused wars, or they uh, they encouraged wars because yeah. they could finance both sides. Right. They 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 basically they profited from the destruction of countries. This was the yeah. uh, the the conspiracy theory, and mm-hmm. it's partially true in that they did profit from war, like every single financier in the history of capitalism. Yeah. Kind of sucks to say. Um, however, the idea that they caused the wars and funded both sides uh, is you know, way more questionable. So, yeah, so really that's all there is to the Rothschilds in the QAnon universe. They're, uh, so they're, they're spiritual, financial puppet masters of the world, controlling world leaders, causing wars and advancing glo- globalism. But Donald Trump is free from the influence of the Rothschilds, which is why he is helping take down the global cabal, which includes the Rothschilds. Guys, you know, for original thinkers, they sound a little bit like NPCs saying Jewish man bad. Yeah. 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 This is this is a 
two century old yeah, story. <laughs> but uh, but I mean that totally plays in with all, with the reason why I think people who love Donald Trump love him. I think that's one of the reasons they love him is that in, in their opinion, because he hasn't been in politics for you know his entire life, um, they do feel like that he, he that for whatever reason he is out from under the yeah. regular control that anybody who is yeah. in politics is. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is that he's uh, completely, you know, interwoven and one of the worst examples of uh, capitalism in its kind of calcified, shitty state where you have meritless people who are completely right. incapable, right. Uh, given chance after chance, when everyone else, you know, uh, gets sick once and they're fucked. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's move on a little bit. What is the truth about the Rothschilds? Mm. Well, it all started with the, quote, court Jews, uh, which is not a term that we're inventing and also not a term that we endorse using in your everyday. Don't, yeah. don't go to the mall and call someone a court Jew just because he's in the food court and happens to be Jewish. Uh, it's a position <laughs> that existed because Christians were prohibited from committing, quote, usury, a pejorative term used to describe money lending. Despite the fact that most courts had court Jews during the early modern period, the position unfortunately came with the risk of execution. Of course. <laughs> this was because all the power and influence of the court Jew relied in turn on the power and influence of their, quote, sponsoring noble, who was, of course, Christian. If that noble died, it was not uncommon for his Jewish financier to face exile or execution. Other risks involved never getting paid back, as the Christian royalty could easily throw their court Jew under the bus due to the precarity of their position by simply refusing to pay them. Uh, and no, they didn't have buses back then, so maybe that's the wrong um, expression. The first Rothschild, Mayor Amschel, uh, as mentioned by Travis earlier, was part of a movement of Jewish financiers who wanted to disconnect from this perilous court system so as to form legitimate banks. A bit of history on the man, he grew up in a Jewish slum in Frankfurt. He got into the coin trade as a teenager, assisting clients uh, with buying and selling. Little by little, he found more influential clients, and by the age of 40, he got a big break when his client, uh, Wilhelm I, like you said, uh, inherited a bunch of money from his dad kicking the bucket. Wilhelm I wanted Rothschild to handle his sizable transactions and investments from then on. This allowed Rothschild to send his five sons, his five giant round adult <laughs> sons, <laughs> that I'm imagining looking like, like Vienna sausages, uh, just packed up with their little suspenders, and they go to Frankfurt, Vienna, London, Naples, and Paris, where they start operations in, the, uh, in these major European financial hubs. So now as they expanded, and as is common with accumulated capital, the Rothschilds did, as it is alleged, uh, fund both sides of several European wars. Uh, but this, in my opinion, and in history, uh, history's general uh, opinion, seems to just make them boilerplate capitalists, uh, as you'll see a little bit further on. There's nothing about uh, their ethnicity or religion, really, that differentiates their actions from anybody else who becomes hugely wealthy and favors profit over ethics and basic morality. In fact, the Rothschilds were basically an early international monetary fund, or IMF, uh, which, you know, I'm sure you are familiar with the term, listener, but it's basically an organization that, that supposedly stabilizes currencies and facilitates international trade and credit. Unfortunately, the truth is that the IMF helps keep in place a race to the bottom that allows the wealthy to pit laborers in one country against those in another, all to pay them less and make them accept more degrading working conditions. 
Uh, I actually recommend um, watching the globalization tapes by Joshua Oppenheimer. He's the same guy who made um, the Act of Killing and the. Wait a second, that doesn't sound like a good video. Yeah. That sounds like a, a bad YouTube. The globalization tapes. I mean, it's it's about globalization, and uh, Joshua travels to um, to the workers and actually allows them to create their own documentary about their conditions. Mm. And so it's about globalization, but from the perspective of those ex being exploited by the IMF and, and the conditions that are put in place. So yeah, that's a massive global grift. And yeah, so th <laughs> that basically the, the Rothschilds kind of like filled that role early on. And then now we have uh, the wonderful IMF. Anyways, despite the Rothschilds being very good at financializing, uh, the First and Second World War sort of sucked for them. Uh, world War One was so expensive that pretty much every moneylender in the world wrote big checks to one side or another. This made the Rothschilds lose a bit of their competitive edge and their domination of the markets. Then World War II rolled around and the Rothschilds, who were European Jews with deep roots in Germany, were forced to escape to America. Many lost their wealth doing so. Most of their fortunes were seized and their mansions given away or reduced to rubble. Uh, after that, the Rothschilds never quite regained their pole position. They're still rich, but now they're sort of just regular rich people among the other, more wealthy families like the Walton family, the Koch brothers, the Mars family, etc. Uh, those are actually the first three richest uh, families uh, in the world, and they are not mentioned by Q, of course, uh, because they're not Jewish or Arab. <laughs> I looked up uh, the top 10 richest families on the Forbes list, and only one of them was Jewish, the Wertheimers at number nine. Uh, it kind of deflates the whole anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about Jews controlling all the wealth. So, are the Rothschilds capitalists? Yes. Are they evil? Well, <laughs> I, I would argue they aren't morally awesome. Uh, do, they uh, do they currently control the world or even the world's wealth? Uh, I'd argue that no. In fact, the world's wealthiest Rothschild is at number 1,376 on the Forbes list. There's actually even another unrelated Rothschild ahead of him, uh, some guy who just got rich with Facebook. So that shows you uh, that we're not really dealing with the wealthiest family in the world anymore. In fact, the family's wealth has been in decline for a long time, which is why I was joking earlier about Q scooping 1945, uh, and there is no longer a central, quote, house of Rothschild. There's a Swiss company called the Rothschilds Continuation Holdings AG, but it has no Rothschilds on the board, and it is mostly controlled by non-Rothschild financial institutions. It makes about $500 million a year, which sadly is small potatoes at this point. Walmart, the world's largest company, makes $500 billion in revenue every year. That's a thousand times more, and that's why the Waltons are number one. It's owned by Presbyterians. So I propose we start a massive conspiracy theory about the Presbyterians. It's our only chance to get some justice. If you have drawing <laughs> skills, please depict Presbyterians as hunched over and clutching a bag of gold. If people ask you why you're doing it, you just yell, I'm fighting anti-Semitism, and you plug your ears. Thank you so much to Brian Dunning for his book, Conspiracies Declassified, which helped me get a handle on this. Until Q makes a drop about how the Presbyterians are fucking our lives up, I will not believe that he's anything except a boilerplate, anti-Semitic piece of garbage trash. Yo, since the uh, Rothschilds there, uh, apparently they are declined in prestige for the past two centuries. Yeah. You think the Rothschilds maybe, you know are encouraging these conspiracy theories that they control the world. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, cause otherwise you're just a boring old, old money family. That's right? so yeah. Funny. You, uh, they'd rather be like yeah. the purveyors of like uh, a new world order than just like, not as rich as they used to be. They're probably <laughs> just soulless, disconnected, rich people like the rest of them. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that the Rothschilds don't well, suck ass. I would argue that anybody on the top thousand list is pretty despicable at this point. Yeah. 
But uh, what are you going to do? Like, it's just not the conspiracy theory well, doesn't stick. But but the boy gets that point of wealth. You just want prestige, right? Right. right. And so uh, that's why you dress your wife in like a stag. Yeah, head. dress your wife in a stag. <laughs> Got to find new ways to get off. Yeah, now that's kind of like uh, socially unacceptable to wear the head of a dead animal with diamonds encrusted out of its uh, dead eyes. Yeah. So he's going to have to find Unless you're at Coachella. Yeah, unless you're at Coachella. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's for sure. Next Uh, up, the Rothschilds took over Coachella. Yeah, Zed's dead played. And then then they bought a overpriced slice of pizza. Incredible that they're trying to bring back Simon and Garfunkel. And then charged their phones at a charging station. Oh, you want us to believe that Weird Al is still funny? I don't think so, Rothschilds. One of the Rothschilds tried to use a porta potty, but it was nearly impossible. Pee-wee Herman? More like Pee-wee Jewish. It was so filthy, and his phone still <laughs> had an undesirable amount of charge in it. I'm sorry that shit happened to you at Coachella, too. I mean, I think, I think Jake was just story. trying to describe a horrible diarrhea story to us, but... <laughs> oh, my God. I, I preached I have, myself at Coachella, I but like, I don't know how to talk about it on this podcast because yeah, it's have, not like, about that. I have five like really, really traumatic um, <laughs> stories from my life, and th- I think two of them involve uh, trying to use a porta potty at a music festival. You guys, I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I have about. $72 in my bank account. Oh, Jesus Christ. And uh, <laughs> not we script. don't we don't run. <laughs> I love going off script. Raw. This is a telethon. Look, we don't run any advertising on the podcast because that sucks and it feeds into all the shit that we like bash on the show. So oh. we try to keep it, you know, listener supported. You guys, our loves, our, our, our weird, our weird group of folks who somehow have, have wandered into our, um, our backyard party. Um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash QAnon anonymous. And if you pay just $5 a month, I mean, you know, basically the price of like an iced vanilla latte from some of one of the places um, you'll get access to our premium uh, episode. What about for a flyover state where they don't drink uh, ice vanilla lattes? Or who do you drink ice vanilla lattes? No, I can't. I can't afford them anymore. Anymore? Anymore? I used to. Please uh, pay five dollars so that Jake can once again afford to be <laughs> so- a, a latte drinking liberal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, if you pay just $5 a month, you'll get access to our premium episodes, uh, which are always really, really fun, and uh, give the show a chance to grow and uh, help us put out more content for you guys. Uh, we've reached two incredible milestones this month. First off, 50 Patreon subscribers. Thank you. Which is Thank fucking you. amazing. so much. Like, we can't, honestly, we, we really can't believe um, just how awesome this community is and... You know, when we interact with you guys, it's amazing because it's just people that we would hang out with in real life. Like I've been incredibly touched by we, uh, the community. Yeah, we all have very similar senses of humor, and there's definitely like a really strong creative vibe, and it's 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 fucking amazing. Um, so thank you to all our 50 uh, Patreon subscribers, and our second crazy milestone is we've reached 50,000 plays on SoundCloud. That's fucking amazing. I think we're officially SoundCloud rappers. Yeah, we that, are. are um, we, when are we? Where's our like? Do we have to do something problematic now or? No, I'm get about, a face tattoo. No, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna change I'm gonna <laughs> change my name to um, I'm gonna change my name to uh, Young Columbus and um, Jesus. I'm gonna get a come on, man. You're not even <laughs> Italian, man. You know, get it together. Okay, I'm gonna name I'm gonna change my name to Young Lung. 
Uh, so I think it's cool. Our goal is to make this a full-time thing, obviously, and and you know we're not going to hide that from you. We want this to become like yeah. our thing, our job, uh, and we want to remain fiercely independent throughout. And that can only happen if you join us on Patreon and contribute to making this a reality and keeping our uh, media landscape diverse and full of Travis. That is the most important thing in our media these days. Insufficient um, Travis. You ever you ever watch the TV? There's yeah. not enough Travises anymore. Yeah, exactly. sometimes when I swipe my card um, yeah. to pay for groceries, it comes up, it says insufficient Travis. Which is funny because your real name is a name that has seen some relatively big box office uh that's true right my real name has become much more popular in recent years yes the young people. we'll yes. leave it at that if yeah. you can figure that out right. this breadcrumb yeah bakers this week's interview is with talia Levin, a writer and researcher controversial twitter user and admitted jewish person who is quote putting the id back in yid welcome to the show talia hello Full uh, disclosure, we uh, fucked up the last time we recorded with you, and uh, the episode uh, basically became Talia-less because it was either that or you having about four or five lines, and then the whole interview just being gone. Uh, but we're so glad to finally get you back on. Yeah, everyone wants me back, always. I'm not going to lie, we've had a lot of fans write in and say, hey, that would be amazing, are you really going to uh, speak with her? And so you you are kind of highly requested. Um mm. Speaking of, of I'm that, I'm a cipher. I'm I'm unknowable, but you'll get a chance to take a peek. <laughs> you know, this all came uh, about because you called us out as problematic misogynists on Twitter, <laughs> uh, and you asked me to bend the knee. Uh, and because we live under the iron rule of matriarchy, uh, I had no choice. I submitted. Um, so, can you tell me now what are the next steps for me? What's my well. I did tell you to bend the knee and kiss my ring. Um, but what I did point out was that you'd had sort of a bunch of episodes and no female guests. It's true. And then you had Kelly while on, who's amazing. But more generally, I think that there is sort of a problem with covering extremism and covering the far right, where women who do this beat are sort of a little bit marginalized or put off to the side. The women who are doing this work, and I know a lot of them, they're great, wind up not being amplified as often because of these all-male networks. Um, And so I'm happy to have a chance to talk conspiracy and the alt-right, because I cover this shit anyway. And if my brain is going to melt, I might as well share my brain melt with the world. Heck yeah. Mm. And, and I mean, to be honest, uh, it was a fair criticism of the show. Um, one of uh, one of the things that I explained on the Lost episode, which, you know, it'll be like our Atlantis. We'll just pretend that there are there's a whole city down there that no one's ever going to find out about. But it was beautiful. It was amazing. <laughs> I was so eloquent. You wouldn't even believe it. The spires, the spires. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it was it was a fair criticism at, at the time. And uh, and it's still a fair criticism. We are working on on kind of uh, evening that out. Um, but but yeah, one of the things that that uh, I noticed starting this out was like I just was under the false impression I believe that um, there were more men covering extremism for the simple fact that the harassment factor that would come with covering it as a female was just like like a barrier uh, for, for entry, which which doesn't mean um, that there wouldn't be any. Just perhaps less um for good reasons but but i don't i don't think that's really the case actually i think that certainly there's a problem with major publications not having female um correspondence on the alt-right 
I think that certainly there's a problem with like the the sort of broader press corps covering the alt-right and, and far right and conspiracies like lily white. I think part of it has to do with this idea, this like holy grail that journalists are always chasing of like this idea of objectivity. Um, right. That almost like the less stake you have in a situation, the more truthful you are about it. Right. Um, but I think that's largely sort of a false idol and it sort of grants um, inherent advantages to white men who especially like well-off white men who will automatically have less of sort of a stake in the game in any given situation and so you wind up with like journalists of color and female journalists having this sort of added layer of suspicion are you just saying this because you're a woman that you have to overcome and um i think also as a result like a lot of the coverage of the far right and of conspiracy theories like sort of misses um, the misogyny that's everywhere in these worlds um, and doesn't emphasize it. And it's really so core to the ideology that I find that to be a persistent flaw. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. We're so busy covering them as Nazis that we, we can't cover them as the, mo- the most horrible misogynists <laughs> that we've got around as well. well. And a lot of people use misogyny as a gateway Right, you know, yeah. it's much more socially acceptable to be like anti-feminist than openly racist yeah. or openly neo-Nazi, and so you know a lot of these sort of softer right-wing channels on YouTube will use, you know, talking about those crazy bitchy feminists mm-hmm. as sort of a gateway, and then people get radicalized. Yeah, um, and I think that that's something that's often missed. I was just reading how Jordan Peterson was at the at the top of the. The reading list in South Korea. Uh, he's making a killing over there, and is he really? Yeah, <sighs> I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It is a country that struggles with, you know, masculinity and has like a really intense patriarchy, and so probably a lot of fail sons uh, right. jacking off and looking for yeah. some direction. And addicted to Starcraft, you all know what to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, it and, wouldn't. And I think that it's not a coincidence that that coincides with sort of a nascent South Korean feminist movement that's coming out and and doing its own sort of variant on Me Too and talking about right. treatment in the workplace. And so you have the patriarchy fighting back yeah. by embracing reactionary thinkers. Yeah, you um, don't have to quit StarCraft uh, if you just get like a legal wife that is given to you by the state. <laughs> I'm always amazed at these guys who are like um, libertarians and like market forces. And then they're like, but nobody wants to date me. We should have a subsidy for that. <laughs> I think someone said on Twitter, like, how do incels square their worldview with the fact that Danny DeVito gets his dick wet? (laughs) (laughs) Like, these guys, I've spent a fair amount of time on incel forums, which is, like, a sad thing to admit, but goes with my work. Right. And um, they're so obsessed with their jawlines and their, you know, facial symmetry to really disturbing degrees. Same, same, same. I mean, me and the boys always like, measure them with have rulers. You a perfectly symmetrical face to get your dick wet. Like, mm-hmm. it's That's really true. fine. Like, I look like a sack of noodle pudding in a wig and I get laid. <laughs> <laughs> like, my, uh, my, I mean, I, I don't know. When, when, when the woman takes out the ruler and she measures both sides of your jaws right before intercourse, I mean, I, I rarely pass that test. Yeah, it's it's almost. I as mean, it, I personally have a phrenology test, but like, <laughs> to each her own. Or why hasn't somebody told them like, "Hey, man, like you don't need to look like Brad Pitt to get laid. Like all you got to do is like not be a dick." You know, no one told that to Hitler, who was in, essentially an incel who right. thought he looked like a square jawed blonde guy with big muscles. Right. 
I mean, no one ever told me that I could just be normal looking and get laid. Like, it just happened. I don't know. Yeah, I guess nobody ever really told me either. When you get into a cycle of, like, disaffection and loathing of women and, like, like, it's sort of a self-perpetuating cycle, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. We have finely tuned, not all of us, but a lot of us have finely tuned danger sensors. We can tell when someone, like is kind of (laughs) scary or like just yeah no that's true if you if you feel so deeply self-loathing and so deeply full of hatred like you yeah probably aren't like hanging out you know no ready to get laid like no and and if you spend all day you know thinking these things listening to other guys say these things when you're finally confronted with a real woman to speak to what the fuck are you going to say? You, you have, go like, mute. So much indoctrination calling her an evil femoid yeah. who only goes for chads. Like, right. well, yeah. So like, stare lasers at her while she's like, who's that creepy guy? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Staring at me like he wants to eat or murder me. <laughs> like, yeah. I was just going to say really quick that um, I, I've spent some unfortunate time in the um, in the Tinder subreddit. And it's really interesting because a lot of people, once they do match, they, they have no idea how to. Um, to move forward from there. And so they have this weird thing. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's this almost like meme that goes around where if they match with somebody on Twitter, they'll write, um, do you like bread? And then the person either says yes or no. And then they'll, then they'll ask, do you like to be choked? What? I mean, Tinder's really hard. Like Tinder sucks. Um, and it is awful. And it like, but I can tell you like those lines are so off putting. I like we're right because you're normal I straight up open I'm no I'm not like I like a little bit of weird but you can tell when it's a canned line and it's like ugh. yeah yeah I don't know I had I had one guy open with like sh- like like I matched with him and he was like shorty what that mouth do <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh. and I was like and I was like curses yeah. you for eternity <laughs> nice <laughs> he, and, but he was like totally undaunted he was just like no. sounds hot He's like, cool, man. Yeah. Love being cursed. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> that... I don't know. Whatever. You... I mean, it's hard. There's a digital disconnect. Apps are very overwhelming. Like, I totally get it. At the same time, I think that these people get really trapped in, like, totally toxic mindsets, really hmm. violent and, and uh, dangerous. And, like, incel forums have straight up led to terror attacks mm-hmm. twice. Yeah. Um. So that's not good nor is it constructive towards like getting laid um certainly not to say that it's all fixated around getting laid or not is a little bit of a a blind like what it's about is is really poisonous misogyny yeah and the like sex is almost incidental to it it's like yeah let's just like hate hate and anger can feel good yeah they can like if you let yourself sort of sink into them and feel that kind of certainty and feel part of something bigger than yourself right um yeah or movement or whatever it is if your life has been a series of humiliations i think that the kind of brotherly togetherness of just calling one half of the human race uh worthless there's something to it i I do i do see that um you know that bond uh kind of working for these people who who feel lost in a world that is like kind of a postmodern nightmare i mean and and they use that term even they're like oh it's, the world is so postmodern now and i just feel sorry for them a little bit because it's true that there are um there are it's if you don't understand the language of the world like 
you can experience so many humiliations and then some fucking grifter shows you a video and you're very susceptible and vulnerable to it and then you build your personality around it and your political stance around it and then it's five or six years later and you're entrenched in it and turning back is a humiliation in and of itself. Um, we, we need to find a way uh, for people to get off that train and I'm pretty sure it's not the government getting everybody a wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's interesting that it does tend to be mostly men. I mean, obviously there are women in all of these movements and certainly in QAnon you have like some prominent women. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah. but I think there some of the same factors are working with QAnon. Like certainty is appealing, hate is appealing, you know, um, finding an other to demonize and simplify the world. Like, yeah. it's appealing. It's a scary world that we live in, and conspiracies are sort of a snug right. shelter for the mind. Or that a powerful and, woman like Hillary Clinton is only powerful because she's part of, like, a cabal that, like, you know, eats children and prays to Satan, as opposed right. to just being a powerful woman. Everyone knows mm-hmm. that powerful women dress in in pink leotards and take pictures with AR-16s <laughs> in a depressing beige-looking hotel room so that the entire picture looks like a monochrome and you just want to kill yourself for having even seen it. But but speaking of scary things and scary places, uh, Talia, you work in the field of extremism uh, with a specific focus on anti-Semitism. Can you tell us a bit about how you got into the field and what that entails? Well, I sort of got into it incidentally by uh, writing about the Daily Stormer. Wow. I was just really interested in it um, as a phenomenon. I wanted to find out, this was sort of after Charlottesville, and of course, like, I was shocked and horrified by that day. And I, and, and the Daily Stormer got kicked off their server after Charlottesville and had this sort of peripatetic journey um, around the web on different domains. And mm-hmm. I sort of wrote a piece being like, who's hosting the Daily Stormer now? And like contacted their web host, like really did my best to try to figure out who the people enabling this were and why. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of my first foray into this area. And then now I work at Media Matters as a researcher in extremism. And so kind of every day I look into the belly of the beast Mm. and I'm reading the daily stormer and Stormfront and weird white nationalist blogs that you've probably never even heard of like affirmative right and trad news and you know diversity macht fry and like all this horrible stuff which has sort of warped my brain in weird ways like I'm not in any danger of being red pilled Mm -hmm. uh at all but um it just like (laughs) but just reading these these things every single day. Yeah. Um, you notice the sort of sectarian splits in the movement. You start thinking like, hmm, okay, like there are these divisions within far right publications, like some that consider themselves intellectual, others mm-hmm. that pitch themselves towards a base, you know, lower, lower, lowest common denominator, some that are more virulently anti-Semitic, some that are less, and some that embrace Trump, some that are further to the right of him. It's, so, you know, it's like any sphere, there are dynamics within it. And then, you know, when you start looking more closely, you start recognizing them. And and one one question I had for you, because you mentioned, obviously, anti-Semitism, um, as a Jewish person covering this, I mean, certainly it can't be like being a beat reporter. You don't become 
um, even even grudging kind of enemy friends with with the people that you cover. It it, it has to be a relatively antagonistic relationship. Is that right or? Yeah, I, I mean, at Media Matters, it's very much like sort of monitoring, and it's at, it's at an arm's length. I think there are some alt-right reporters who have developed close source relationships with these people, and you know, probably that does result in some useful information. But for me, like, I find I have found it a little disconcerting when I hear reporters on the beat, like, who know about you know the intricacies of the love lives of these white nationalists. And I'm sure it is useful to a degree, but then like, I wonder if sometimes people lose sight of the broader fight as they become absorbed in these sort of surface or right. internecine yeah, conflicts. Yeah. yeah, you start to cover the scene politics rather than um, covering the kind of overall movement as a threat. Yeah, and you know, of course, because I'm Jewish and because I'm outspoken, um, there has been like a pretty concerted effort to discredit my work. Uh, you know, like, uh, I've had white nationalists make videos about me, wow. um, and call me a whale and say that I changed my name to sound less Jewish, which was like, I've been doing a really poor job concealing my Judaism. <laughs> um, and, um, but I think just to go back to a question that you said earlier, like women online, prominent women are so used to harassment. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, we're not, we're tough enough. Like just by existing as a woman online, you like get, you get the level of harassment that an alt-right reporter gets for doing his beat. You know, it's like, we're, we're, we're all pretty hardened to what this is by now. And, and this notion of like needing to protect women or whatever is like, I think every every newsroom that does a beat like this should have psychological resources, should of have course. support. But, you know, women are not inherently less capable of doing the analytical work just because we're, you know, susceptible to gendered harassment. And you also love conspiracy theories, or at least that's what you um, claim to me online. So, you know, are you you are you specifically into conspiracy theories and, and what's your level of familiarity with QAnon? Um, so I definitely don't love conspiracy theories. I have sort of, I'm fascinated by them. Um, and I think because if you study anti-Semitism on any level, you, you get a sense of what it is, which is a conspiracy theory. Right. Uh, it's sort of the or conspiracy theory. It's the one that, you know, lots of others are modeled after lots of others take from, um, I'm sure that you've seen, elements in QAnon that take from sort of classical anti-Semitism. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would say I have more than a passing familiarity with QAnon. I'm not an expert, but, like, I kind of know what it's about. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the big figures in disseminating it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's crazy that, like, Lionel, what's-his-name was in the White House? And, like... Yeah, that... Is bad. And also yeah. Posobiec recently tweeted from inside the yeah, White or House. Or Poso, as he likes to be called. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bumblejack. What was that um, two-bit Dillhole? He, he he basically referred to himself in third person by a nickname yeah, that he tried by a to make for himself. That he tried to make, which is the you can't do that. Yeah, nickname like, must be Poso, given. Poso's going in hard. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? No, all those guys do that. They all get hopped yeah. up on their fucking, you know, on their ball juice, and they... 
you know, go on national TV. I mean, that's a huge thing, too, with all of this is the fact that these guys are getting a platform. Like, yep. I remember back in the day, the KKK came and marched in um, uh, Skokie, Illinois, uh, which is where some of my family is from. And uh, it got no news coverage. And, you know, we knew about it because the families at, like, the synagogue and shit, like, talked about it and we knew that it was happening. But they didn't get any airtime. They came and they went and nobody gave a fuck and nobody really showed up. And, like, that was it. They disappeared, like, back into nothingness. Whereas now I feel like, you know, how you were talking about some of these other reporters that are, like, trying to get close to the truth. In, in a weird way, they're, they're almost giving a platform to some of these guys by uh, by not immediately discounting their entire worldview as, like, completely uh, unacceptable in modern society. So, have you encountered the Rothschilds uh, conspiracy theory before, Talia? Yeah, I mean, it's old yeah. as hell. Yep. Like, mm -hmm. that's the thing. I mean, I think a lot of the sort of elements of the Rothschild conspiracy theory um, have been transferred to George Soros. Right. Yeah. Yes. In That's recent true. years. But um, the Rothschilds per Rothschilds theory is still alive and well, as you know, if you like do a cursory Twitter, Google or YouTube search for mm -hmm. yeah. Rothschild, it's that like this prominent banking family, like controls you know, once prominent banking family controls the world. Yeah. Um, and kind of goes from there. It struck me as particularly important that there was a kind of unwarranted focus on ethnicity and religion around the Rothschilds, of course, and that that would make them inherently different. Um, we know from, from the last episode uh, that you have read the first volume of The International Jew, which is a series published by Henry Ford in the early 20s based on the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, a fraudulent anti-Semitic text that we explored in the Mockingbird Media episode. Uh, so what is the underlying theory about Jewish people here and how does Jewish exceptionalism get packaged with anti-Semitism? The International Jew basically says that like Jews have, by virtue of their race, this innate cunning, this innate excellence at business, mm. um, this innate sort of craftiness. And um, the international Jew never sort of outright calls for pogroms or for violence. What they say is like, we need to teach the Jew how to apply his natural racial skills to better ends. And oh then, God. of course, it goes on a great length about how Jews are making baseball degenerate and mm -hmm. are responsible for bootlegging and, mm. um, you know, all this stuff, which like yeah. there were Jews in, in bootlegging, um, and, baseball. and, and Italian oh, yeah. and, <laughs> and <laughs> Irish. And, you know, yeah, I think anti-Semitism is sort of a unique form of prejudice in that it manifests less as like a, you know, face to face day to day, prejudice, although that certainly exists, but anti-Semitism in its most widespread and damaging form basically is a conspiracy theory. It's mm -hmm. the idea, and it it's really vividly promulgated in the international Jew, but like the idea that the Jew is in control and that the Jew has a cunning that outstrips that of Gentiles. And therefore, you know, no Gentile could outtrade a Jew or could outthink a Jew. Um, and, you know, for me, what it comes down to is, like, we talked about how conspiracy theories are sort of simplifications of the world. And 
you know, this is a huge simplification. It's like, oh, you don't like the current power structure. You think things are unjust. You feel like you've been screwed over. Like it's the Jews' fault. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a, pr- a pretty useful theory for, for the people who really do hold all the cards. Like yeah. just physically, geographically back in the day in Poland, it was very common for landlords to settle Jews right outside the castle gates and then also task them with tax collecting and other sort of unpopular intermediary duties so that if there was a peasant's revolt, like the people standing between the peasants and the Lord is the Jew. And to me, that sort of metaphor carries over to the present day where, you know, you have a theory that ultimately like serves the purposes of the people who really do hold all the cards because it's just too simple to say like, it's the Jews. I mean, yeah, it's too simple and it's too neat and it's too easy. You know, that you have this sort of nebulous other yeah. that you can pin all the complex problems of the modern world on. It, it makes me laugh because, you know, there are genuinely these days huge problems with the financial system. And yet we hear a lot uh, on the right about fake news, but there doesn't seem to be a huge focus on reforming or challenging the financial system as it exists. Instead, there's these kind of conspiracy theories about, you know, who controls the money or whatever. But then there doesn't really seem to be um, anything, you know, discrediting or focusing on the accumulation of capital and its negative effects. Instead, the right focuses on discrediting the media. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's a matter of sort of how much you want to change. I think, first of all, like one of the things that I think is not understood as well as it should be is that right wing media, I'm talking about like the Daily Caller, the Daily Wire, the Daily Signal, all these sort of blogs are hugely funded by right wing billionaires. I mean, they're, they don't have to worry about click rates or, you know, layoffs in the same way because they have this sort of, base level of funding from people who want them to put forward the message that like the problem is immigrants the problem is jews the problem is people who question president trump and not you know the problem is um power and how poorly it's distributed and how unjust our current financial system is and like yeah and the kind of result of of the accumulation of wealth and stratified layers so that it becomes completely immovable and is, you know, is kind of calcifying our entire society and, and economy and ability to, to, to give like, you know, a decent standard of living to, to the average Right, worker. right. It's like, oh, like your uncle, you know, gets cancer and you have to beg strangers online Jesus. for, for money. Like, yeah. you know, it's, immig- it's like Tucker Carlson is standing there telling you that it's because of dirty immigrants. Yeah. You know, and, and, and fundamentally what that serves is as like a blind to protect power. A lot of the anti-media rhetoric just like straight up plays into anti-Semitic rhetoric that's been around for ages. Yeah. I think that this is downplayed because, you know, for a variety of reasons, like one, you know, unless it's literally a swastika or like someone straight up saying, I hate Jews. Um, there's often this like plausible deniability right. or ways yeah. people wiggle out of it. Also like the media, you know, can be very sanctimonious and like awful about how amazing they are. Um, but rarely, you know, wants to say like what you're saying use uses anti-Semitic tropes because it, like, but it so plainly does. I mean, 
the idea of the press as fifth columnist as as untrustworthy like first of all parallels the way people talk about Jews and second of all like the idea of the Jew controlled media is like really old again it's it, yeah. it goes back to the international Jew it goes back further than that right um and so to me it's sort of like no one is sort of coming out and saying it but this whole the media is the enemy of the people nonsense like does smack of anti-semitism and it's right. not a coincidence that you have these graphics going around with like little jewish stars over the faces of anyone at cnn who has jewish heritage according to white supremacists yeah and yet it's there's this bizarre kind of double edge to it where anti-semitism is not called out enough and then yet nobody can really talk about um, foreign policy uh, of israel being uh, barbaric or something like if that's their belief they'll get censored for that or called anti-semitic and, and do, you know is there is there a way forward where um, we can accept uh you know our beliefs about the Israeli state as it is currently acting separately from, you know, our kind of perception of Jewish people as a religion or ethnicity. Buy a girl a drink first. No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really wrongheaded. I think there's legislation currently before Congress to like criminalize BDS. And there's that, there's that crazy story about like a, this loyalty oath to Israel that people have to sign in Texas. Mm -hmm. And, like, to me, there's a couple of different reasons why anti-Israel rhetoric or, like, criticism of Israel and anti-Semitism have been sort of artificially conflated, even though they're not the same thing. Yeah. I think that the Jewish right is quite powerful and yeah. quite well-funded and have, like, purposefully moved to conflate the two. Yeah. Um, you know, Bibi Netanyahu has been in power for a lot of years and has very stridently thought to make that equal yeah absolutely um yeah. and then in the u.s you have a christian right that fundamentally supports israel for creepy apocalyptic millenarian reasons in which they want to see israel in jewish hands so that the jews can convert so jesus can come back yeah so we can reveal um, the ark of the covenant that we've buried like, <laughs> like christian zionism is a huge force in american politics yeah and fundamentally it hates jews like yeah, it, it is it is the it is the jews that. outside the court for sure it's like well you play a very essential role in our plan for our future <laughs> you know it's right the christian zionist vision like it hates Jews. It's like about through conversion, erasing Jews. But um, in the interim, there's sort of been a devil's bargain between the Jewish right, the Israeli government and, and Christian evangelicals and Christian Zionists to make Israel immune from the criticism that it's richly deserves. Right. Um, right. I think a lot of the horrors that we've seen at the border are mirrored and exceeded by Israel's policy in Gaza. Yeah. Um, you know, and then at the same time, you know, because you have this misguided focus on any student criticism of Zionism being anti-Semitism, like real glaring anti-Semitism, like yeah. the kind that inspired someone to shoot up a synagogue mm -hmm. on Gab, like it's totally ignored. Like you have people talking about like, how do we shut down BDS on campus? And then, you know, like not knowing what autumn... Adam Waffen is. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, to me, it's so wild as, as someone who's, who studies anti-Semitism, like, 
yes, anti-Semitism is transpartisan. It does exist on the left and the right. There are times when criticism of Zionism and of Israel, like, shades over and crosses boundaries into anti-Semitism. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's just that, like, the danger is so glaring and yeah. so violent and so intense from one side that, like, it feels very myopic to turn this into, like, a both sides situation or, like, always feel the need to bring up anti-Semitism yeah. on the left when we're discussing these factories yeah. inculcating kids with Holocaust denial yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like anything else on the right. They use what's convenient. Yeah. You know, like, you, you know, they don't want to admit any sort of, like, you know, major anti-Semitism uh, rhetoric that's, you know, espoused by the people that they like. But if they hear, like, a lefty, you know, talking about, you know, um, Israel and not liking it, then they'll be like, whoa, well, that's anti-Semitic. There we go, it's, baby. Yeah, it's, it's, it's everything. I mean... They do that with everything. I mean, yeah, that that was one of the the funnier parts of the the right trying to deal with Bernie Sanders. They couldn't tell if they wanted to call him an anti-Semite or like a yeah. dangerous Jew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's almost like what's going on. You were talking. You, you kind of hit the hit on this earlier, Talia. But it's almost like. You know, if the old saying was like, the Jews control the media, it's almost like they've lost the Jews part, and they're just like, the media is controlled. Yeah. <laughs> but, but some... And they hold some it They hold it back, part. like, just, you know, just enough. And and, and I think that, you know... It, Although, not, not everyone has lost the Jews part. Like, I have to say, like, <laughs> what has struck me is just, like, how deeply prevalent, like, if you scratch any online community, like... Yeah especially any conspiracy community like oh, classical yeah. anti-semitism is just there yeah i mean that was with neon revolts it's the case with oh, yeah. um q drops themselves have have that it's stuff even built the in. Case with, like flat earth i yeah. mean literally i was like yeah. reading flat earth and like one click in it's like nasa is a jewish plot well like, wait a second everyone knows that a giant jew stepped on the earth and made it flat years yeah. ago and that for that original crime we have to hate the jews forever yeah it's like a fuck it's like a magic eye that like once once you've seen it you know you you can't sort of like not see it anymore right but also i want to why didn't i get any of the good qualities of like having money being a good negotiator, um, you know, poised to take over uh, Dude, Western society. You, you are proof that that's anti-Semitic right. tropes, okay? Yeah. That that Jewish people can be shit with money, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, like, like where's where's my fucking bank account? Yeah, for cash? real. Where's my power? Yeah. I do have a lot of Twitter followers, I guess. Yeah. Comparatively, like, given my rather, like, humble station in life. But that's about it, and you know, I will, I I daily await for that to translate into riches. <laughs> mother, um, m- mother dear, I am not rich in shekels, but I am rich yeah. in followers. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've had like, but it, I think it always, always, always boils down to like, qui, you know, qui bono? Like, who does this benefit? Like, who does it benefit uh, to have people? absolutely livid at the Jews and not really examining things further. Um, You know, who, who does it benefit to feel that the world is simpler than it is and that there's an identifiable enemy? It's the Presbyterians Mm -hmm. and Tom Cruise. (laughs) Right. I don't know. Either way. Like, I mean, I think that like the, the history of the Jews in Europe is one of being like often the only visible minority in any given city or community. 
Yeah. Um, being ghettoized, like the emancipation of the Jews, where Jews became legal citizens, like happened in the mid to late 19th century, depending on where you're talking about in Europe. Yeah. And so yeah. you have this like small discriminated against minority, but it's, you know, that were the only non-Christians around and very easy to pin loads of things on. And during the Black Death, it was that we like poisoned the wells. Yeah. Um, and now it's that we're poisoning mines. I mean... Well, and you also have this this instance in history, I mean, most, you know, very recently, you know, within the last 75 years, where, P, you know, uh, lots of Jews uh, were murdered. And uh, it was mostly overlooked by Western, civil, you know, Western civilization. And I think that for these groups like, you know, Daily Stormer, any any of these guys, they it, it's almost as if they're like, well, at some point, like somebody did actually try to exterminate them. So they must really be like a real problem. It's it's almost this this weird thing that because the Holocaust, you know, because uh, Hitler went as far as he did it, it, in some weird way, it sort of um, it like solidifies that rhetoric like in their own minds. Instead of looking at the structure that that right. fed that hatred, you want to go like, well, why did he do? He must exactly. have had a good reason. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like this the history of the Jewish expulsions, and then you're like, oh, that's yeah. No, um, I I the funny like sort of the weirdest one of the weirder anti-Semitic comments I've gotten was like, so the Daily Stormer wrote an article about me. Um, I got in some trouble on Twitter for, um, <laughs> like, writing, like, kind of writing this tweet, basically asking whether this photo that ICE, the government agency, had tweeted out, whether the agent depicted had an iron cross tattoo visible on his elbow. Yeah. And, like, I had sh- shortly after deleted the tweet, but it turned into this whole shitstorm where, like, ICE wrote a press release about me. Oh God! Uh, I have to like, say that, like, I have to say that it became almost like a Ben Stiller comedy when the photo was uncropped and the guy was like in a wheelchair. Like, it just made everything worse, you know? I know. I was just like, "Fuck!" Man. It really seemed like that, like a Ben well, Stiller like, movie. I had like deleted my tweet after 15 minutes and then like put up like, "Oh, I think I got this wrong." Yeah. And like, no one has my original tweet um, because I deleted it after 15 minutes. Like, doesn't matter. There. <laughs> lie that I spread the rumor on my apology, but it was a mess. Anyway, the Daily Stormer picked it up uh, and they wrote this like whole very long post about how shitty I am. And um, at the end of it, they wrote like the rage that this hook-nosed kike inspires makes me want to go Ooh. do a real Holocaust. Ooh, that, oh, that doesn't feel but good. I, how the fuck? So that's like so many layers. It's like, like, you know, I love like, that they're like. Not only is the Holocaust fake, but like you make me mad enough to want to do a real yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I love that they're like, "How dare you attack this man who wasn't wearing a swastika?" But if he was, we still think it would be fine, and we would still be writing the same article. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, how dare you accuse someone of being a Nazi? Yeah. Says. Daily Stormer, named for the Nazi publication Der Stormer. It's like they've never listened to Rage Against the Machine. God. It was uh, just, it was so many levels. So, um, what do you think uh, our current conspiracy theory scape has in store for the, quote, Jewish question? It seems to be a recurring classic, but will there be a gritty reboot? God, I hope not. Um, like, Holocaust 2? Um, no, 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 no. I don't, I, I'm sorry. Just to clarify, I'm not asking. Like, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. You finally, you finally caught Julian. 
You finally <laughs> caught Julian at, 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 at his fucking worst. We see it every day. Yeah, right. But you this, finally exposed it on true. the cast. When's going to be the next uh, Holocaust? Right? I was no, not. I, I think that, like you said, it's a classic. It's not going to go away. It'll, it'll find its way. It'll be at the core of any conspiracy theory and anyone willing to spread one. Yeah. Um, the tropes are there. They're easy to use, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's easy to nod and wink to anti-Semitism, or even just like come straight out with it. Um, it's gotten more prevalent in the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had you know full-on candidates for office issuing like full-on anti-Semitic statements. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them won. Uh, and then we'd have you know. Someone in elected office who, you know, ran on anti-Semitism. I think that that's um, still to come. Uh, yeah, we, 20, we, the government would literally be uh, exactly the same people minus Jared. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, Jared yeah. would repent. Jared I mean, would like, be like a conversion. He, he would, he, he would, he would to go save his fucking slimy little head. He would, he would be like, nah, nah, I'm Christian now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing about, like, there are people who are very far right who don't like Trump because he quote gave his Aryan daughter to a Jew to defile. Uh, wow. Um, Man, that's that's giving a lot of credit. This shit every fucking day. <laughs> but that's giving a lot of credit to Jared. I don't know if he could defile anything. The man is pretty meek. How do you Talia, how do you unwind? Like how do you <laughs> I, I'm just so I, I'm just so impressed that like you can go into these like deep dark places. Like I like I feel like when I uncover like one little piece, it's it's like in college when you accidentally saw one of the um, beheading videos and you were like, oh, oh, man, like a piece of me died inside. Like, I, I really can never look at anything like that again. Just like, how do you how do you how are you able to compartmentalize uh, the stuff that you're reading online constantly, constantly for work and then like, you know, put it down and like go have a drink or whatever. Like, I, I'm just fascinated by that. Well, I have like a DM group for other women who cover the alt-right and it's super helpful just to be able to talk to people about something that like, and because it's an all-women space, it doesn't get as sort of macho and flippant as other like more male-oriented spaces I've been in. Yeah. (laughs) Like we all can talk about trauma we've experienced and just what it's like. So that's super helpful. Um, you know, where you don't sound crazy being like, uh, so I was like reading the Daily Stormer comment section and I noticed this thing. Um, and then I like, (laughs) um, I cook a lot. I find it very useful to do something with my hands. Um, and, uh, I read books about serial killers. I don't know. I'm not making (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome. Things are bad, but like at least I'm not a female hitchhiker in 1970s Seattle. Yeah, getting picked up by old Ted Biundi. Yeah, or like any of them. I feel like the Pacific Northwest is like, yeah, I don't know. It's like serial killer central, and now it's like white nationalism central. And God forbid the two get combine themselves uh, for a super predator uh, come 2019. Yeah, right. Well, there there was this like terrorist group based in the PNW. And like based out of Idaho, I think that like um, did called the Order in the eighties that did like do a lot of bank robbing, like like robbed some armored cars, and then they murdered this Jewish radio host. Yeah, we covered them. <laughs> Terrifying. Um. Yeah. 
anyway, I'm a fun and cheerful person. <laughs> Speaking of fun and cheerful, I mean, you're surely you're noticing uh, the kind of conspiracy theorization of society, uh, just kind of everything melting into one big umbrella where everyone's trying to decode small little bits of this kind of shattered reality and, and, and build some form of reality for themselves. Um, where, like, where do you think this is heading for American people? You know, we saw recently the expansion into the Gilets Jaunes movement and this kind of weird, uh, I think it is a little bit almost like the same thing as we discussed with the I Israeli um, situation and, and Zionism and anti-Semitism. You're kind of caught between uh, a rock and a hard place with that stuff. But where do you think this kind of conspiracy scape in general and QAnon uh, is heading, you know, with these people that feel uh, righteous anger uh, of the working class, but maybe are being kind of led by a form of uh, neo-Nazi petit bourgeoisie almost? Mm -hmm. Well, so I think two things. Like, first of all, I think um, it's sometimes hard to imagine an era after Trump, but like, I would like to think that if there is one, um, <laughs> Like, we would no longer live in a world where conspiracy theories get a megaphone from the White House. Right, yes, um, that's true. He does, and the sort of yeah. just asking questions tactic comes from the highest seat of power, mm -hmm. um, which I think is so damaging and is so accelerated and, like, added so much fire to the flame of an already conspiracy-prone American consciousness. As you speak, um, uh, Travis's hand is clenching around uh, the seat, the seat, <laughs> yeah, just his, his elbow holder, and you can hear the clicking of the chair trying to not break. Ugh, yeah, no, and <laughs> and then I think I would like to see, this is my own sort of bugbear, but like I am a socialist, and I would so love to see Democrats. I don't, I don't know if it's possible given like a sort of party stance of bloodless technocracy, but like there's so much righteous anger that can be harnessed for like non-racist ends. Yeah. <laughs> um, just talking about inequality, talking about, you know, our fucked up healthcare system, talking about the ways in which American life expectancy is going down, despair is up, opioid use, you know, and I think there are so many ways to talk with righteous and just anger about yeah. the inequities in our current system. You have to be willing to like fundamentally make reforms. And that's where, right you know, if you're sort of beholden to corporations and titans of industry, um, it gets harder yeah. to, to like bring that incendiary rhetoric, but I would like to see a democratic party that is not quite so, you know, bound in golden shackles and is able to bring some of the rage that is like, due. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that you're correct in, in, in thinking that, the first step for uh, the Democratic Party would be to at least admit that there is working class rage that is there for a reason and that it might be economic inequality. I don't think they really want to face that. Working middle? Like, I mean, fuck it. Anyone who's not in the 1% has reason to be mad. Even if you make yeah. $100,000 a year, cancer can get you broke real fast. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, and I think there's a fetishization of, like, the white working class. Like, but, you know the working class is vast and mm -hmm. many colored. <laughs> um, and so I think if you, you know, speak honestly and, and with appropriate fire about economic inequality, mm -hmm. you can move people. And you, you see you that can, with, you can be called a socialist and then have people talk about your clothes and then have people take a picture of your butt in the hallway of Congress. Um, there's all kinds of things you can accomplish with actual righteous anger. 
I know, right? And I would just like to see, I mean, I, I don't know if it's too much to hope for in 2020, but, like, I just think this sort of, like, everything's basically okay, let's be decent, is, like, not, doesn't really cut it. No. Um, and like I said before, like anger feels good (laughs) and like people like being angry, uh, and you don't have to have like a purely negative approach like Trump did, but, um, but there are uses for anger and I wish that Democrats weren't so afraid of it. Yeah. I mean, if the two choices are like totally on edge and about to snap and angry, obviously angry is better. I mean, you know, if people can find meaning and organization to their anger, and if it doesn't just become this kind of nonsense of where we go one, we go all, if it doesn't become this kind of sloganeering stuff uh, that doesn't actually study the systems of, of why these people are getting fucked over, then yeah, like that's going to be a problem. But I think in a sense, we are um, in this kind of like, yeah, shattered reality where everyone's piecing it together. You know, we need to find a good story that is as valid and um, validating as the kind of angry story presented by Q, presented by Trump, presented by these kind of right-wing activists, um, these uh, neo-Nazis. Yeah, I mean, I think there are ways to talk about the world that don't involve saying, you know, immigrants are dirty and bringing disease, <laughs> or, like, Jews are controlling the airwaves. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, like, have useful things to say and, like, ways to reach people, and I would love to see as we head on into another presidential election like some of those narratives emerging on the left i'll be there watching the far right and seeing what they're saying (laughs) and everybody out there should be uh watching and following talia her twitter is at chick underscore in underscore kiev that's chick underscore in underscore kiev chicken kiev uh is there anything that uh, you'd like to plug talia just mainly follow me on Twitter. If you just search T-A-L-I-A, um, I'm one of the first ones to crop up. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Most um, famous Talia. Let's go. <laughs> one of the most famous Talias. And it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Such a pleasure. Thanks yeah, so much thank for you coming so much. on, Talia. I'm sure we'll... Um, yeah, where, where we go one, uh, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for tuning in to another week of QAnon Anonymous. If you can't afford to support us financially, you can always help by telling friends about us, posting about us on social media and message boards, etc. If you haven't already, go on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Five is the amount of fingers in a fist, incidentally. Jake, you're the host with the bad politics and the good dick. Thank you. Travis, you're the good host with the bad bitch bubble butt. I appreciate it. So... Listen, guys, uh, we love our supporters. We're eternally grateful for our growth and for your contributions to the pod. Unfortunately, because things are working out, the list is now like 50 names long and takes up a good chunk of listening time. As a result, we will be thanking new supporters at the $5 level once. Okay, so here is our last crazy long read to thank the hell out of our current $5 supporters uh, before we move to um, a kind of uh, one-time call-out when you begin. And then, I mean, I guess if, if you're feeling lonely, just write in and we'll call you out. That's fine. Hell yeah. It's just like if we go through literally like what's now 54 names at the end of every podcast, like people will stop listening to us. <laughs> I would stop. Yeah, listening. they'll just they'll just cut it off like in the midst of Julian saying some name. Yeah. So here are our five dollar supporters: Aaron T, Alfred M, Andrew F, Angela G, Benjamin J, Brendan W, Carl Z, Caroline O, Carson P, Chris M, Dan R, Daniel B, Danny C, David H, Eric V, George D, Harry D, 
the legendary. Henry L, Jared L, Jared M, Jim O, John F, Jonathan S, Josiah D, Kaya B, Kelsey, Christopher A, Linda R, Mark F, Parker D, Philippe B, Phil C, Robert M, Samuel C, Sierra H, Sean W, Stuart W, Tim G, Villa K, and Wills K. And now we want to thank our $10 contributors, Drew M, Venny S, Josh R, Adam W, Eric O, uh, John S, Joel D, and Luke B. And this week, a very special celebration is due because, boys, we have our very first $20 contributor. Whoa. $20. So thank you so much, Susie R., uh, you will be receiving an audio thank you, um, as promised in the in the rewards from the three of us uh, on the side. It's uh, not for the general listening population. It's a little too sexy. It's got a lot of Travis in it. Um, so, listeners, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. Farewell. It's not a conspiracy. Yeah,